Please welcome, please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. A podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable. Learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now, here's your host, Ed Misogland. Welcome to Frequently Asked Question Friday. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. I help business owners make sense of the value in their company so that one day they can sell it when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. Each week, I answer three questions about business value or selling companies that come in from the website or social media. This is a little bit shorter of an episode, but hopefully it uh, will be helpful in your journey to making a saleable company. All right, so let's get to it. So this week, which is... It's really interesting that we have three where to questions. So the first one is where to sell a business. And you know, that that's kind of a, an open-ended question, so let me let me see if I can I can give you a little bit of guidance. First, you know, you can sell it yourself and you can promote it uh, in a variety of different on on a in a variety of different manners in a, on a variety of different venues. Um, as far as promotion yourself, uh, you can put it ad in the newspaper. You can put it, uh, you know, depending on the size, uh, if you have a, a, a business journal, you can advertise it there. There's a number of online websites you can post to biz by sell is probably the most, uh, active, and uh, the most well-known, you can also go to Businesses for Sale. Another website is BizQuest. Those are probably the most active. One thing that you need to be really sensitive to is confidentiality. So if employees are important, you know, as far as not knowing that your business is for sale and you probably don't want them to know, you definitely want to either work through uh, some sort of intermediary, whether whether that's a broker, investment banker, accountant, attorney, somebody uh, that can insulate you from the marketing that you're doing for the business. Number two, where to sell a business quickly. Again, this, this one is is kind of like the last question where quick is contingent upon price. You know, obviously the lower the price, the less decision-making has to happen. When I say decision-making, I'm referring to like due diligence and meaning the scrutiny of uh, financial records and legal documents and things like that. So, so where to sell a business quickly? Again, it's a function of price and it, and it's the same, same venues that I mentioned before. So you have print publications, you know, um, industry publications, trade magazines, business journals, newspapers, and then your online sources like Biz by Sell, Businesses for Sale, BizQuest, Merger Network. If you have a larger business, you can go to Axial, A-X-I-A-L.net. That's one of the bigger sources that, that we use. Obviously, from in our in in our practice, we always strongly suggest uni- utilizing some sort of intermediary, and it's it's the same as the last the last question. I I always believe that you should have somebody insulating you from the outside world, fielding those questions, those buyers, and maintaining that confidentiality. All right, question number three: Where to sell a business for free? I'm not certain there's such a thing because there's always 
expense in the disposition of an asset. And unfortunately, I don't think that you can sell it for free. Now, could you do it yourself? Sure. There's, there's some, uh, say courses, but there's a, a lot of content out there about how to sell the biz- business yourself. Again, the biggest challenge that anybody runs into is whether or not you can effectively maintain the confidentiality, maintain uh, keeping the business operating as a going concern while you're effectively performing an entirely different job, serving as the broker and the investment bank. So as it relates to this question, some of the expenses that you need to consider, if you are working with a broker, I mean, there is obviously a commission that's based on the purchase price. I've seen it anywhere from Lehman which is a 5% of the first million, 4% of the second, 3% of the third, two, one, you, you follow. Or the double Lehman, which is 108642 as a percentage. Most brokerages from the industry periodicals that I follow, it's uh, between 10 and 12% of the total purchase price. As far as other advisors, legal and accounting, the rough rule of thumb is 1% to 3% of purchase price you can expect. To, to pay for those professional advisors. And then obviously you have to pay the tax associated with the sale. So I hope these answered your questions. Because of my unexpected hiatus, I have a little bit of a bonus for you. Recently, the International Business Brokers Association uh, released their year-end state of deal-making publication called the Market Pulse. And it has a ton of information that uh, I'm going to go through and and kind of summarize for you. Okay, so the M&A Market Pulse, or the IBBA and M&A Source Market Pulse. The small, the main street is considered zero to two million dollars in revenue, and the lower middle market is considered two to fifty million. And so, I wanted you to to uh, be sensitive to when I'm talking main street versus middle market. That's the delineation. This is a uh, done by the IBBA or the International Business Brokers Association and the M&A Source in conjunction with the Pepperdine Grisadio uh, Business School Private Capital Markets Project. This is a, as a result of a questionnaire that was sent out in the fourth quarter of 2019 through the uh, 15th of January of 2020. And there were 300 business brokers and M&A advisors that responded. So let me share with you some of the things that we found. So generally speaking, the market outlook is positive for 2020 that, um, that advisors uh, expect that deal flow will continue to grow and that multiples will remain constant. And, and as you probably heard in my deal stats episode, you know, market multiples aren't changing our, and they're not all that volatile. So I don't expect, I didn't expect that, uh, that, that we were going to see any kind of changes here either. So the optimism is centered around, like I said, greater deal flow, increased exit opportunities for sellers because of capital. There's opportunities for business growth. Closing rates are increasing and then it's an election year. So we're going to have uh, probably pretty good uh, prevailing economic conditions to, for, for deal making. So as we look at the fourth quarter under two or under uh, half a million dollars in revenue. The the average multiple is roughly a two 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 times adjusted cash between five hundred and a million two point eight. And again, that's average across all industries. And then the one to two million 
it's 3.3 times the adjusted cash flow. And then as you move upstream into the middle market, the two to 5 million is 4.3 and the five to 50 million is averaging about 5.8. The interesting thing is as I look across from 2014 to 2019, there is very little change in multiples at all. The, the larger the businesses, the two to, to five million in revenue drops from 2014 Q4 uh, is 4.6. And then obviously in 2019, uh, we're at 4.3. Conversely, the five to 50 million in 2014, we've got a, a, a five multiple and in 2019, we're at 5.8. So when we look at the time to close. The average is 8.6 months, which is up substantially from uh, 2013, which was roughly uh, six point six and a half months. And so, so the rough rule of thumb, I shouldn't say the rough rule of thumb, the rough indication is that it takes six months to get from launch to mutually agreed upon uh, price terms and conditions or a letter of intent. And then it takes two months from there to close doing due diligence, execution of um, legal documentation, financing, et cetera. So going through the, the size of, of businesses, the time you know from, from launch to close, under half a million dollars, it's seven months. 500 to a million, it's seven months. A million to two million, it's nine months. Two to five million is nine months. Five to fifty million is eleven months, which, uh, which, like I said, the average is eight point six. Believe it or not, that's a, a little bit of an increase across all, all of those uh, revenue thresholds. Uh, with the biggest one being at the half million dollar mark. So again, we're we're running two two months from offer to close, uh, with at uh, under half million dollars. A half million to a million is three months. A million to two million is three months. Two to five million is three months. And then five to 50 million is four months. And uh, to be honest with you, it's, that's not unexpected uh, either. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of uh, people that are relying on a lot of professional advisors to give them advice, and it takes time to get that advice. So again, I'm not uh, not surprised at all. But as if you're a business owner and you're looking to sell in 2020, you should probably anticipate it's going to be about a nine-month adventure. Okay, moving into financing, it's really interesting. Um, based on the poll, uh, the the smaller businesses are having some challenges uh, securing financing, and believe it or not, we we in our practice we haven't seen that at all. Uh, credit's flowing pretty good, but. Based on the 300 um, respondents from the survey, you know, here's kind of the overview. So this is this is the I'm going to go again by revenue class, and I'm going to talk of the cash at close, the seller financing if there's an earnout, and any kind of retained equity. So under a half million dollars in revenue, you have 83% cash at close. You have 13% financing, two percent earn out nothing uh, as far as retained equity. From a half million to a million, it's 79% at close. 
14% seller financed, uh, 2% earnout, 2% retained equity. Now, let me preface that I haven't seen anybody re- retaining any kind of equity one or two percent. I may have seen twenty or twenty-five percent, but I certainly have not seen you know one and two percent. Okay, one to two million in purchase price, eighty percent cash at close, fourteen percent seller financing, two percent earnout, one percent retained equity. From two to five million, eighty percent again, fifteen percent seller financing, four percent earnout, and one percent retained equity. 5 to 50 million, 82% cash at close, 11% seller financing, 2% earnout and 3% equity retained. So, let's look at a couple things. One, for those of you that don't know what an earnout is, think of it as if then financing. So, if something happens, then I'm willing to pay you. So if I hit a revenue threshold, then I'm willing to pay you X number of dollars over and above what I've already paid you. Next, when we look at the seller financing, you know, this has been seller financing is is generally uh, a component of almost all deals. It's a it's a way that the buyers can mitigate that risk and keep your attention should there be a challenge uh, post closing. So that doesn't surprise me either. Uh, I, th- I take that back. The only real surprise that, that I've seen that is inconsistent with what we've had in our practice is the uh, two to five million where where the um, where there's 15 percent seller financing. I mean, we're seeing, you know, maybe five, five percent um, seller financing. Don't know why. Um, but but like I said, we have not seen the, those same numbers. Okay, this is about uh, the seller's market and kind of the sentiments of, is it a buyer or seller's market? Uh, rather than, than me pontificate, I'll just, I'll just read you what it says. So seller market sentiment dipped slightly in the lower middle market this quarter, but advisors still indicate that sellers have a strong advantage uh, across all but the smallest business sector, excluding those businesses valued at or less than a half million dollars, advisors have not rated any sector as buyer's market for Q3 or since Q3 2017. Seller sentiment for lower middle market deals remain at near record peaks. The downward trend, and it's just a slight trend, the downward trend can most likely be attributed to the uncertainty due to the 2020 elections. So now let's talk a little bit about uh, the top industries and, and, and what's selling. I always get that question. So uh, in the Main Street category, restaurants and personal services make up uh, roughly uh, 33% of, of the pie chart. Moving in after that, retail at 14%, business services at 10 construction at 9 and again, 9% of all deals at the mainstream level, 7% of manufacturing, 6% of wholesale distribution, 6% of healthcare, and 14% being others. I think the big surprise is, to me, would be retail is, is strong as well as manufacturing. 
Um, anything that's going, let's talk retail first, anything that's going up against Amazon or that can be uh, sold online, it seems as though there's a mass exodus um, away from the behemoth in the in the retail world. So that's a little surprising. The next one is manufacturing. Uh, I would, and you know, I, I, I guess as I think about it, I'm not certain that they're it's that much of a surprise, but I think um, I would have thought that the business owners would be moving more toward market, but that's not necessarily the case. So a lot of the baby boomers that are now 72, 73 are probably, it's now uh, the exits probably now just reaching their radar and, and they're now evaluating. So I think in the next couple of years, you'll probably see the manufacturing be 10 to 15% of this pie chart. So as we look at the lower middle market, here's the surprise, you know, manufacturing's at 22%, construction's at 17%, business services, so B2B services is at 14, wholesale distribution's at 12, healthcare is at 11 Information technology is 6%. Personal services at 5%. Restaurants are negligible at 1%. And then uh, other deals are uh, at 12%. The big surprise for me would be construction. Um, And when I say that, it surprises me that it would be that high. um, Because I think buyers are, are more... Uh, are scrutinizing deals a little bit more harshly these days. And when I say that is, you know, we, we all know that there's bound to be a economic downturn at some point and to be in a spot where you have a 10 year, 10 year note uh, with, with a conventional lending institution. And you know, full well that, you know, sometime during that 10 year period, that you're going to um, face some sort of economic downturn, that that uh, is kind of surprising. So as we look at that, you know, we're seeing high multiples and construction selling. So to me, it's that's kind of the 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 big question mark. What's prompting that? A lot of people believe you know, they're buying market share you know, just in, in anticipation that they want to be, they want critical mass when the economic uh, downturn occurs and that there's certainly some merit to that. But uh, like I said, construction here um, surprised me. Moving on. This is uh, what the composition of the buyers um, that are acquiring these companies look like. So with main street companies, not that this should surprise anyone. uh, It it's first time buyers. First-time buyers make up 43% of the pie chart. 31% are serial entrepreneurs. So in other words, um, high net worth individuals that are acquiring multiple companies for their own personal portfolio. 23% is company buying company or strategic acquisitions. Uh, 1% is a private equity platform. So the company served as it was acquired by a private equity group that uh, took it and made it into a platform company. And then 12% is a private equity add-on. So there was a, there was a platform company and the private equity group came into main street, bought the company and bolted it onto one of their other companies. Okay, now moving into the lower middle market, um, you have 18% that are first-time buyers, 13% that are serial entrepreneurs, 
This should not be a, a surprise to anybody, but 40% make up existing companies. So company buying company through strategic acquisitions. 13% is uh, private equity platforms. Uh, 12% is private equity add-ons. And then 4% others. Uh, again, there's no probably no real surprise here either. I guess if I had a little bit of question, it would be I would have thought that the private equity um, the private equity acquisitions and bolt-ons would have been a little bit higher just by virtue of, you know, what we're seeing as far as, you know, the, the private equity groups dipping a little bit lower into the lower middle market to find deals because they have to deploy capital. It's just, um, like I said, a little bit of a su- surprise, but again, the private equity groups may be bypassing deal guys and going right to the business owners themselves. And this may be skewed a little bit. So moving into why business owners are selling in 2019. So this shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, Roughly uh, 48% of business owners are retiring. 14%. And again, this is according to the survey, 14% is because of burnout. 11% due to uh, other opportunities, 7% family issues, 6% uh, relocating or moving, 5% health, 2% recapitalization, and 1% an unsolicited offer. I guess the the surprise that that prompts me, or the surprise in this chart that for me would be health. I would have thought that would have been a bigger part of this pie chart because you know, as business owners age, I mean, health deteriorates. I mean, that's nothing we can't, we, we can dodge. And so that was a little bit of a surprise. I would have thought it would have been probably times three. So help, you know, at least 15% of the reasons why people were selling had to do with health, but uh, at any rate, so retirement is, um, is the big one, roughly at 50%. And that shouldn't surprise any of us. For business owners, this is a this is a telling uh, chart that I'm looking at, and it has to do with planning. When do you plan? So those businesses valued less than a half million dollars, three quarters of them had no plan. From half a million to a million, roughly sixty percent had a pl- had no plan. One to two million. 64% didn't have a plan. Two to five million, 44% didn't have a plan. And uh, over five million, uh, 25% didn't have a plan. So the bigger the companies, probably the greater the the greater number of advisors, the more people that are saying, you know what, you need to plan, plan your sale. So that's kind of surprising uh, that there's not more planning as much as it's, it's prevalent these days. And you, you can't go anywhere without someone talking to you about exit planning, whether that be, um, you know, any advisor you're talking about. Um, Everybody wants to talk about exit planning. So the moral of the story is that if you are considering selling in 2020, you may want to consider uh, doing some formal work as far as, you know, getting an idea of what, where your company is valued at. And uh, like I said, it's, it's taking nine months to sell. So plan accordingly that, you know, if you want to sell in, in three years, a third of that time is, is being used up in the marketing and sale of your company. 
So keep that in mind. If, uh, as always, if I can help, let me know. Well, that about wraps it up. But before you go, would you like to receive a weekly newsletter of curated articles that I've stumbled upon or I'm writing about regarding business value and making a company saleable? Well, if so, go to defendersbusinessvalue.com and sign up for the newsletter. Now, if you have a question that you would like answered, go to, again, the website, defendersofbusinessvalue.com and push the appropriate button. Or you can email me at ed at defendersofbusinessvalue.com or you can reach me at Twitter at Ed Miso. Thank you so much for spending time with me. If I can ever be of help to you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out. Have a good weekend, and I'll see you next week. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes. 